the orange spreads out and creates color and life. Okay. Atetetzav. is a very, very important minor. V'atetetzav, even though most people just say atetetzav. But it's from a Pasuk, obviously, in Parshish Tetzava. The Parsha is called Parshish Tetzava. The Parshish Tetzava is about, mostly about Big Day Kahuna. It's mostly about uh, the, 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 the garments of the, Kain, of the Kahanim, the Kahan Gadol and the Kahanim. But it starts with the discussion about the menorah. That itself is an interesting thing. Like That should theoretically be in the, in the previous Parsha. Because the previous Parsha is Truma, and that's all the Kalim and the structure of the Mishkan. Right? So basically, Truma is the structure of the Mishkan and all of the vessels that went in the Mishkan. And Tetzava is Big Day Kahuna. That's how you can remember what those two parshas are about. Now they're coming up very soon. Um, in the beginning of the Tzava, we'll see there's a discussion of, uh, of the menorah and, the, and the, that which should be brought to light the candles. Okay? Light the natives. This is a mimer, as you can see, it was said, Tavshin Mem Aleph. Right? Here, right here. Mayor? Yeah. Here. Right. Uh, Mem Aleph. Um, please remind me to take the leftovers at the end of class. I'll forget them and then they disappear. And we're, right? uh, it, it, was, it was sad, as you can see, in Tafshin Mem Aleph. It was 1981. But it was given to us, Purim Cotton. I guess I really should have given you the title page. And I should have given you this page also. Right? Purim Cotton Tafshin Nun Base. This is the last mime the Rebbe gave us. In those years, after Tafshin Mem Ches, the Rebbe, we've talked about this, but we'll talk about it again, because you, you, know, you have to know these things. In Tavshin Mem Ches, the Rebbe basically stopped saying my marm. There were two my marm the Rebbe said in Tavshin Mem Ches. But basically the Rebbe stopped saying my marm after the passing of the Rebbetzin. B'chlal, there were less my marm in Tavshin Mem Ches, but, but the Rebbe stopped saying my marm. Why? Um, so then what would happen? On every major day, so instead of getting, instead of hearing the Rebbe say a mimer, and, and that, the Rebbe also stopped for bringing Rebbe stopped for bringing weekday for bringings in a microphone with everybody in the middle. That those for bringings stopped, right? Those for bringings that you see on the videos, those for bringings stopped in Tavshin Memches, right? Uh, uh, even before. So what um, the Rebbe would for bring every Shabbos though, as opposed to sometimes just Shabbos Mavorch, and the Rebbe was for bringing every Shabbos, every single Shabbos there was a for bringing with the Rebbe, uh, right after davening until. You know, four o'clock, four thirty. Winter. I remember one Shabbos. Winter Tavshin Nun Beis was there in the winter of Tavshin Nun Beis. The Rebbe forbring, and the Rebbe finished forbringing about fifteen minutes after sunset. Then we daven Mincha, right? And then Marv. I mean, there was no, there was no day. The Rebbe just went to seven seven early in the morning. The Rebbe can't tell to start you know, when you, you get there early obviously you learn some chassidus etc the, the 10 o'clock was davening 1.30 would be for bringing and the Rebbe for bringing until the end of the day into into the night and uh, daven mincha and, and uh, most people's Shabbos suda that day was a malava milk they made a malava milk <laughs> didn't have a suda so uh, made kiddush made kiddush and had these Horrible airy cookies that would like float around. You'd bite them, they turn to dust. Kichalach, they're called just yeah. terrible. I never understood. You bite them and they just turn to dust in your mouth. Anyway, so so um, the Rebbe the, stopped for begging during the week, and any major day, Yud Shvat, uh, the Purim Kotten, any major day. So what would happen is you would get what was called Kuntras Purim Kotten. A kuntras like this would come out, right? Little white, it would be this size, and it would be, you know, those white sheets, you know, like you, you, you get now, you see them on the tables, Shabbos, right? You'd get a sheet, you get a, a little pamphlet, this big, white paper, simple simple cover page like this, and uh, and and that, that would be, that would just show up in all the Lubavitchuls all over the world, and that would be the mimer that you would learn for that special day, right? Whatever that day was. Okay, so it happened to be that the Rebbe gave out for Purim Cutting this mimer, and the Rebbe would edit these mimers. 
The, 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 these my mind. The, the Rebbe would edit it. The Rav Yol, the Rebbe would tell Rav Yol which mimer to write up, and Rav Yol would write it up, and then he'd give it into the Rebbe, and the Rebbe would look at it and edit it and give, put in some footnotes and give it back to Rav Yol, and he'd work on it, and they, they would go back and forth, evidently, and and there would be a, a, an edited, written work, and it would go out. And that's why it's called muga, edited. Sometimes you'll see at the top of a mimer when you open a normal mimer book, a regular mimer book, not this. All of these maimar milukotim, right? They are all edited. Why? Well, because these are the maimar that were given out every special day, and then at the end of the year they would collect them all and publish a volume. So, volume base of this book, say for maimar milukat, it says milukat, see, and then it says vav. This is the sixth volume. Volume, volume aleph was just maimar milukotim. It was a bunch of maimar gathered together. At the end of Tavshin Mem Ches, so they printed volume base, volume two. What was that? All the Maimarim the Rebbe gave to they gave out to learn in Tavshin Mem.
though it does talk about Atetetzava, definitely. But the Frida Graves Mimer is called Vukibul Yehudim. We're going to see that right now. Very famous Mimer. In his well known Mimer, Dibra Maskil, it has the heading Vukibul Yehudim, the Jews accepted. It's a poor Mimer. Shenemar Bapurim Cotton Tafresh Pei Zion. That was said on Purim Cotton, 1927. Now, what was unique about this Mimer? The Fidika Rebbe was standing saying this Mimer. Obviously, there were spies from the, from the NKVD there, They're the precursor of the KGB. They were in there. And what did the Rebbe say? The Rebbe talked about crushing Haman and crushing the Haman of our day, who was the Haman of their day. The Tsar in 1927. My goodness gracious. What world does everybody live in? You guys really don't know? Stalin. Stalin. My goodness gracious. A little Lubavitch history, if you don't know world history. The Friedrich Rebbe. Stalin. Communists. Right? Every chassid of the Rebbe, of the Rebbe Shab and the Friedrich Rebbe, Nana said that 90% of the people he learned with in yeshiva were sent to Stalin's camps and died there. Right? 90%. Right? Almost everybody he learned with died because they kept they wouldn't stop keeping Torah and mitzvahs. Right? Stalin. Communists. Evil, evil, horrible people. They made the czar look like uh, Mickey Mouse. Stalin killed 20 million of his own citizens in his camps. Right? I mean, he was outdone by Mao. Mao killed about 100 million of his own citizens. Right? These wonderful bastions of socialist doctrine. Right? The greatest mass murderers in the history of the world were all left-wingers. It's very interesting. But there's a difference in left-wingers and right-wingers. Rabbi Levinger mentioned this to me once, and it's very deep and very true. Left-wingers kill their own. Right-wingers kill the other country. Which is fascinating. Left-wingers kill their own. Look what's going on in America. The left-wing in America would gas half of America without any compunction. They just think they're not worthy of any respect whatsoever. They're low lives. They're less than human. They're deplorables. They just got a new tape of the guy who ran the impeachment thing for in the House. Probably a Jew. It's Adam Schiff. He sounds like a Jew. Right? They just got a tape of him. Yesterday it came out. He's saying we can't... We can't, we have to get rid of Trump before the election. We can't let the people decide. Whoa. That's pretty democratic, isn't it? Well, yeah. I'm left-wing. I mean, he doesn't say I'm left-wing. I'm an elitist. I know better. The people don't know. And I have to make the decision before the people mess it up. <coughs> That's classic left-wing doctrine. In this country, what's the single worst part of this country, the, the most dangerous part of this country? Supreme Court. Why? Because the head of the Supreme Court was what was called a judicial activist. Why? He's no longer around. His name was Aaron Barak. He's the most dangerous person to ever live in this country. Why? Why? Judicial activism. What does that mean? Not only can you not trust the people, you can't trust the Knesset to pass the laws that are proper because they, are, they have to pay heed to the will of the people. And we, he said it. We know better than the people what's good for them. So the Supreme Court will override laws passed in the duly elected Knesset. That's heavy. <laughs> that's really, that's fascism. Okay, right. Well, that's what's up there, right? That's Bernie Sanders, right? That's what's out there. It's heavy stuff. Okay, so where was it heaviest? China, Russia, Pol Pot. Pol Pot, who took over Cambodia after the Americans left Vietnam. So then all these, you know, so then the communists took over that whole area in Southeast Asia. Cambodia, Vietnam, so Pol Pot took over Cambodia. What did he do? He killed three million Cambodians in the first couple of years. How many Cambodians are there? I think it was like 25% of the population. He killed three million people yeah. in the first couple of years that he was in power. 
Okay, so you have to know who Stalin is, and you have to know what the Frida Grebe was all about, and what the Frida Grebe was 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 fighting. The fight of the Frida Grebe was against that, right? Fought it tooth and nail himself, right? What happened immediately after he said this mimer? He said this mimer, referring to Stalin. He didn't say Stalin, obviously, but referring to Haman and saying there's a modern day Haman, and he too will fall which was not a very PC thing to say in Soviet Russia in 1927, and the Rebbe was arrested, right? That the Friedrich Rebbe went to jail, right? yud based Thomas, we celebrate the Friedrich Rebbe getting out of jail, right? Okay, the, the, a death sentence was passed against the Friedrich Rebbe after he said this mimer. But he said it. It was because of this mimer? Well, it was, the, the mimer was sort of the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the lead weight that broke the camel's back. Again, exactly, say, a straw standing there in public and saying that Stalin is Haman.
ago. But it's absolutely ancient history and no one even knows about it anymore. <laughs> the whole of Eastern Europe was run by, by Russia. They were all puppet governments of the Russians and you know, couldn't say boo without what was, you know, that, the Russians ran Germany and, 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 and uh, Poland and Hungary and all these countries. They were all run by the Russians. Ancient history. It's not ancient. 1990. <laughs> right? I mean, that's not very long ago. So wait, you guys were all born when? Uh, appro- approximately, like late 90s or 2000, you know, something like that. I was born like in 1991. Okay. Oh, you're an old man. Okay, so then this stuff you should, so, so fine. I still remember, uh, I, I never experienced what, what you were saying, but the, I do still remember being given a map of the world in, uh, in, in school, in school and, it, and there were old... It was, it was an old one, and right. the label for Russia still said USSR. Yeah, for sure. It was the USSR for a while. All right, now it's Russian. Former Soviet Union, right? That's what they call it now. Okay, the former Soviet Union. It was huge. Russia's huge, but the Soviet Union was huger, right? Because the Ukraine and all those countries that now exist didn't exist. Kazakhstan, all that. It was just part of the Soviet Union. There were no countries. Right? It was all part of the Soviet Union. Ukraine. Ukraine wasn't a country. Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. What a different world. So, and they were nasty. They really weren't nice people. And they didn't let anybody out, and the Jews were were stuck there. And Jewish life there was impossible. We weren't allowed to keep tarred mitzvahs. The shuls were closed. You could barely get kosher food. I mean, getting kosher food was almost impossible. You had to, you know, they do it all underground. When when Kogan in Petterburg, he was called the Tzaddik of Petterburg. He's back there now in Shlichus. But Yitzhak Kogan, when he before he got out, he came here to Israel. He was about tshuva. Before he got out, so so uh, he, he was in Petterburg and he was galvanizing the Jews in Petterburg, trying to teach them some Torah, etc., etc. So they needed a mikveh for the women in Petterburg. The Russians closed all the mikveh, so he had some balei tshuva and balas balois tshuva who needed a mikveh. How did he build a mikveh? He used to take out a bag. He built a mikveh in his house. How did he build a mikveh? You know, under his house. How did he build a mikveh? He took out a bag of dirt in a plastic bag. This big. In his briefcase every day. On his way to work. That much dirt every day. Took years. He took out this much dirt every day. Until finally they had a hole big enough. And then they had to, he brought in, while he was taking out the dirt, he would bring in a little bit of mellet, a little bit of cement every day in a bag, in his briefcase, this big. Right? And slowly but surely, he moved the dirt out, moved the cement in, and then they made a mikvah. It took them years. Made a mikvah. Now, how do the women come to the mikvah? Oh, they just walk in. You can't have, there's spies everywhere. Right? Your next door neighbor is a spy. You, don't, you, haven't, you can't trust anybody. Can't say anything to anybody because you never know who they are, what they are, what they're doing. Right? That's how they lived, and 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 so so he said he told he told the story in Fabrengan's here when he when he made it here he told stories he used to sit in Fabrengan tell the stories about how they did what they did, so that the women who came to the mikvah well, they they couldn't just walk along the street and knock on the door why 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 all of a sudden there are women showing up at this house, so they would have to figure out ways to show up at ridiculous times or you know in different ways or the back door and the front door. It's craziness. So a woman would go to the mikvah. Going to the mikvah was, was Pasha putting your life in danger. If they found you and you went to the mikvah, you were sent to Siberia and you die there. Right? And the Mendel was in Siberia when they were interrogating. They, they, they told them, Mendel, they were Jews interrogating. They knew what was going on. They said, Mendel, you're probably thinking, Psh, you're being Mesir Nefesh. Wow, great Messiris Nefesh, real sacrifice. And people are going to hear about your Messiris Nefesh? And wow, they're going to tell stories about your mysterious nefesh in the camps when they forbring. This is what they, because they, they all, they, it was Russia, Lubavitch. Everybody knew. What did they tell him? He said, Mendel, you're going to die here like a dog and no one's going to know. That's what they told him. Right? That's what it was. He didn't die there like a dog. He got out to tell us, right? And so he told us what was going on. Heavy place. 
So that, that you have to know that in order to understand this mimer, right? Because the mimer is based on the Friedrich Rebbe's mimer, and the Friedrich Rebbe's mimer is trying to galvanize people to stand up to this and keep Yiddishkeit despite the fact that they were going through what they were going through, right? The previous Rebbe's mother, the Rebbe Rashab's wife, asked the Hasidim not to tell her son bad news. So what news was coming out every day? Who had been killed? Who had been sent to Siberia? Who, you know, every day. Right? So, so they, she asked the Hasidim not to tell her son, the Friedrich Rebbe, the bad news. She said, I, I clean the floor with his tears every day. Please don't tell him. Her son, the Rebbe. <coughs> What did the Frida Grabby have to do? And he would cry and the Chassid would cry. They had a series of underground Hadarim all over, underground yeshivas all over Russia, teaching three kids, four kids in different places, running from place to place so the Russians wouldn't find them. So then the teacher would be caught, sent to Siberia, right? Never to be heard from again. The Rebbe would call in another Chassid and the two of them would cry and the Rebbe would send him to where that guy just was. <coughs> Which means within six months he'd be in Siberia. But he'd go. They all went. That's the story of Lubavitch in Russia in the 20s. The Rebbe would call him, call in another chassid and say, so-and-so in such-and-such a place was just caught. I'm asking you to go there and teach the kids. This is who you get in touch with. He'll tell you how it happens, where you go, what you do. And the Rebbe would cry, and the Chassid would cry, and he'd leave, and he'd go, and within three, four, five, six months, he'd be caught, sent to Siberia, and never heard of again. And the Rebbe would call in someone else. That was Lubavitch in Russia, in the 20s, when the Friedrich Rebbe is saying this mimer. And he can't understand this mimer unless you understand what the Rebbe is talking about, the Friedrich Rebbe and, and our Rebbe when he describes it. You have to read, the, 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 you have to know what it used to be like. In his well known mimer, because the Frida Grab is explaining our Pasek. Even though the Frida Grab's mimer is Kibul Yehudim. Which is Purim, right? That the Jews accepted that which they began to do, and we'll see that when we get to there. Right? That's why, I mean, this is a, a, a also a Purim mimer, right? Which is why it's reasonable to, I mean, I know it's a month before Purim, but other rabbis, it's a month before Purim, which is, I think, about Purim. Even though we've got Yud Shvat to worry about first, worry, to celebrate and, 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 and connect. The Tzivui, the word Tzivui, Tetzave, Hutzavta Vechibur. The word sivui means to connect. A tsevet. In modern Hebrew, what's a tsevet? You know what a tsevet is? It's a unit, a crew, a staff, right? The crew of a boat is called a tsevet. The crew in a hospital, right? The tsevet of nurses or doctors on in a night in the hospital is called the tsevet, right? A tsevet, a crew, in any context. Oh, it's a bunch of people joined together to do something. That's what the word mitzvah means. So what's a mitzvah? It connects us to the Ebishter. Oh, v'zeu, and this is pshat, we're answering the first question. This is pshat, v'atetetzaves b'nei Yisrael. You should command the Jewish people. So it means command, but what's the Pasuk really teaching? Shemesha hu mekasher u mechabres b'nei Yisrael imarein Mesha is the one who connects, who binds, Mekasher, Kesher is a, a tie, a, right, to tie something. He binds, Umechaber, and joins as Bnei Yisrael, Imara Ensef, with the Abishter. Mesha is the conduit that connects the Jewish people to the Abishter. Hamamutza Mechaber, the intermediary who connects, not separates, connects. There can be an intermediary that disconnects things, right? It separates things, it's in between them. Or there's a mamutza, something in between that connects two things. Amesha is the mamutza mechaber, the intermediary who connects the Jewish people to a Kaddish Baruch. Bal Yisrael, and by virtue of the fact that Mesha Rabbeinu affects the Jewish people, Mashpia, if he causes bounty to rain down on them, he affects them. Shemakash, if he connects them to Ardein Saif, 
al yedei zeh, through this is brought about, nasa, it's brought about a yisaren, an advantage, very soften, in addition, b'mesha, in mesha. Oh, so what did we just explain? We'll stop here, it's, it's 8.30, but what, what, what did we just explain? Mesha mekashu, I mean, so that's v'ata tetzaves b'nei Yisrael. You will connect the Jewish people with the Abishta. That's what the puzzle means in Pneumius. That's why it says Atetetzava. You will connect them, join them with what? Ordainsev. And that will elevate you. What does that express? What does that explain in the Pusik? Shammai, what does that explain in the Pusik? Sorry. Okay, so no. Pay attention. You're in a you're in a class, not in a not in a kindergarten. No. What 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 uh, what is that what does that explain in the Pusik? What was one of our questions? What were we wondering about the second part of the Pasuk? What does it say? What do we do with the oil? <coughs> we bring it to? Mesha. Oh, what did the Rebbe just explain? You connect the Jewish people to the Abishter, and what will happen? In the, in the Pasuk, what does it say? They will bring you Shemin Zayazak. They'll bring you oil, right? Oh, so what did the Rebbe just say that means? By virtue of connecting to the Jewish people to Akadosh Baruch Hu, what happens to Meisha? We just read it. I just read the words. Ah, the Meisha will experience an elevation and an addition in Meisha. What's that in the Pasuk? They'll bring something to you. They will elevate you. Huh. Now, I don't know what this all means. I don't know how it works. But, I, but we've just answered three of our questions, right? The first three questions have just been answered. I don't understand the answer. Obviously, I'm going to have to understand it more deeply, but, but we've just answered the first three questions. Why does it say, the language is strange and the content is strange? Also, the Frida Garbi tells us in that mimer. It means that you, Meshur Rabbeinu, connect the Jewish people to a Kaddish Baruch. And as a result of that, what happens? You may sure elevate it. That's Hashem and Zayazach. They will bring to you something. They'll elevate you. By virtue of connecting them to the Abishter, you will experience an elevation. That's, that's our first three questions, right? Now, I have no clue how this works. I don't really understand it, but I, you know, I, I've got an answer. I don't understand the answer, but I've got an answer to our first three questions. Already. Three lines in. <laughs> now, I, there's another 12 pages to explain all this, the Seder, but I, that's the answer to that. How, what does that mean, Meisha's elevated? How does Meisha connect us? What does that mean? Okay, we have to understand that. So we know, right, in Chabad Chassidus, that's all going to be explained to us. In Pailish Chassidus, that would be the end of it. It's all there, just without an explanation. Right? Pailish Chassidus will just tell you that here, here's the vart. Boom. Four lines. It's all there. That's the answer. But I don't understand the answer. I mean, either I do or I don't. If I understand it, so I get it all. If I don't understand it, then I don't understand it. The basic idea I've got. Chabad's Chassidus will have another 12 pages explaining it. Pelish Chassidus will just say it. The Svas Emes will just say it. Boom. Now, what's it based on? He said. It's all based on Torah and Lekut HaTorah. Behold the Rebbe here. Almost everything the Svazemus says. So if you know Torah and Lekut HaTorah, Behold the Rebbe, backwards and forwards, you'll understand everything the Svazemus says. You'll go, wow, amazing. Oh, that's this mind. That's this mind. Well, he said that he based it on that. That's why it's, uh, tomorrow is the Svazemus' word site. Hey, Shvat. Today is the, today is the Babasala. Yesterday I said it was Babasala. I missed by a day. Today is the Babasala's Yod Zayt. Tomorrow is the Svasemis' Yod Zayt. I always say Elohim. I can't say it with you guys. because I mean, theoretically, I could come tonight, but I'm probably not going to. But I always say Elohim on the Svasemis' Yod Zayt. I'll say it with my children. There's a couple of kids home, or at least one is home. He showed up yesterday. Um, why? Because uh, my wife's great-grandfather was a Ger Hasid in Poland. Had no children. Was married for ten years, had no children. Went to the Svasemis. Svasemis was the same time as the Rebbe Shab. Rebbe Shab was Rebbe until 1920. Svasemis was a little earlier, but around that they were they were around the same time. So the the Rebbe Shab was Rebbe until 1920. The Friedrich Rebbe was Rebbe from 1920 to 1950. The Rebbe was Rebbe from 1950 until today. So uh, he went to the Svasemis. The Svasemis told him to add the name Alter to his first name. The Svasemis is the, the Ger Rebbe's last name. Still, is Alter. That's their last name. But 
he told them to add alter, it's also first name, alter, right? So he said, add alter to your name. And he had four children. The first one was my wife's grandfather. So I got a wife from that bracha. So I was drinking a the Svasemis is yours. If it weren't for the Svasemis, I'd still be wandering around. You know, I, my shirt would have coffee stains and you know wine stains, and I, you know, have dirty shoes and yellow shirts and you know probably disheveled hair walking around. You know, some sixty. Really great place to be in the mid-30s, right? And the, the war started.